Hey everybody, this is Sean McVeigh and welcome to the Vet Med Mind. What is the Vet Med Mind? It's a podcast that we're doing here at Veterinary Growth Partners, celebrating success stories in veterinary medicine. I'm joined by Rachel Tashberg. You've certainly heard her speak or lecture at some of our conferences. So together and with other guests, we're going to explore in veterinary medicine, both current, past, and maybe even future uh, success stories. Hi, this is Sean McVeigh bringing you another episode of the Vet Med Mind. We think at Veterinary Growth Partners that Veterinary Medicine Success is the ability to incorporate your personal goals with the goals of your business and, and create something, whatever that is. And it can be defined in any of the ways that I've talked about. Uh, we'd like to highlight relationships in veterinary medicine that have allowed those things to happen. And so I'm bringing you today something from the Wayback Machine. And the Wayback Machine is not necessarily that long ago, but way back, meaning uh, entrepreneurially way back. Uh, I have been blessed in my career to run across lots of folks who have started businesses in veterinary medicine, a lot of people who have claimed to have wanted to make an impact in veterinary medicine, but this lady has actually done it. And, you know, my name is Sean McVeigh, and I'm going to let her introduce herself just because her name often gets confused with mine. So this is Dr. Danny McVeigh, but I do like saying McVeigh because it just, you know, as a veterinarian, it flows nicely. So I certainly don't mind that. (laughs) Can you tell us, uh, may I call you Danny? Yes, of course. Okay. Uh, can you tell us just in your words a little bit about your journey in veterinary medicine, you know, from how you wanted to be a veterinarian to how you got there and and how your current endeavor, Lap of Love, came to be? So a little background, if you will. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, think, I think like most of us wanted to be a veterinarian since I was young, you know, and to me, it wasn't necessarily because I considered myself a really like smart scientist. It was more of just, it was the only job I could think of that would allow me to bring my dog to work. And I'm like, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> so, you know, I um, I went from wanting to be a mounted policeman to, you know, to being a, like a canine cop to then a veterinarian. And I, um, I got into vet school and my very, very first year. So it was actually the last exam my first year I failed. So it was nutrition. And I just got, I was, I was burned out on studying, you know, you study your entire year. And for, for me, I did very well in high school without having to study that much, did very, I did well enough in college without having to study too much. By the time I got to vet school, I didn't learn how to study. I had like never actually learned how to study. So I failed my last exam, completely my fault. It was 110% my fault. And I got held back my first year. So I actually spent five years in vet school and not four years in vet school. Wow. Yes. Some would call that commitment. <laughs> it was, let me tell yeah. you. And then when the students asked me like, well, how, how did you keep going? I'm like, just because I knew I could, I could quit tomorrow, you know, and trust me, I had many of those days, like tomorrow mm. I'll quit, not today, tomorrow, you know, just mm. get through today. And I think that not, I think, I, I mean, I know for sure, you know, that that hard skin, you know, of like, questioning, are you smart enough to be here? You know, am I, am, am I going to make it through? Am I going to fail again? You know, that pushed me through. And once you push through every day for four years, you know, once I failed and then repeated like every day for four years, it was just keep going, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. You know, no one would have ever known that I had that internal struggle, but I think probably Mm -hmm. the vast majority of us do in vet school, no matter what. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I got out of vet school, um, I'd graduated in 2009 from the University of Florida and, you know, the economy was crashing in 09. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, everything was crumbling around us. And I mean, I just, I, I didn't even get the first job I wanted, which is like unheard of now. You know, I, I was going to say it's very different now, isn't it? $75,000 yes. signing bonuses for some veterinarians. Yeah. It's completely different now. And, and I had a one-year-old. So I had my first baby in vet school on purpose because I wanted to graduate, you know, and be able to work and not graduate pregnant. And that's a whole nother topic, right? Like that. Yeah, female. seriously. So Anyway, I, um, I graduated and I had a one-year-old and I wanted to spend, you know, family is just family's number one for me. So I wanted to be able to spend time. So I, I elected to do emergency medicine during this time of doing emergency medicine. I quickly found out that I was very, very good at that end of life conversation. Um, I think for two reasons, number one, I had volunteered for a human hospice when I was in college and I only did it for a little less than a year. So it was a short amount of time, but it was a very meaningful experience for me. And I, I found myself being comfortable in that conversation, not immediately, mm -hmm. but I eventually, I quickly got that way. Mm -hmm. Number two reason why I, I, I found myself comfortable was because I never really felt that I was a very smart doctor. You know, I'm not the one that could recall all these tiny little, you know, details that we learned in vet school. And so in my brain, I needed something else. Like I needed something that was mine that I was going to be good at. And the communication part just came much more easily for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that there, you know, we all have a lot of, um, strengths. We all have weaknesses, obviously, but one of my strengths as a business person, I believe has been being able to look at a client and know what they wanted from me. And sometimes, you know, particularly in emergency room, that interaction is a very intense interaction in a very short amount of time. And I don't have a lot of rapport, you know, background rapport with them. So I would look at them and, you know, a very common example that happens is that somebody comes in on a Friday and it's at an ER and they're, they, they tell me, they're like, doc, I know my dog is dying. I know my cat is dying. He's 14 years old. She's 18 years old, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they say to me, they're like, look, Sunday or Monday or next week or whatever, my husband, wife, son, daughter, they come in town and can you just keep him comfortable until then? Like he's not feeling good now. I just want him comfortable. And I promise we're going to euthanize them. And what they're used to is they're used to doctors, you know, hearing that and saying, well, we need to do a CBC and a chem and an ultrasound and radiograph. Mm -hmm. and you're going to have an $800 bill. And then I'll give you a prescription for Rimadyl, you know, uh, yeah, but to a it. client, you know, they're like, I just want a prescription of Rimadyl. I just want you to give me some pain meds for four days until my family member comes in town and we can say goodbye in a very peaceful way. So to me, and I had a wonderful boss that allowed me to treat clients like this. And she told so, me. And I'm going to interrupt you just one second, because I want to get the, this, this is the meat of your story in terms of inspiration for what has become your business model, right? To have something that sparks passion in you, something that, whether it's, you feel like you're hitting a goal or serving a need or, or um, creating something or something that makes you go, I am doing this, not just for the money, because there's so much of, I think when we get success in veterinary medicine is defined by growing a business. Uh, you know, you can get some money or rewards for all of that. And people on the outside kind of go, well, that's the definition of success. The whole reason I get goosebumps thinking about it because the whole reason we want to do this is, well, that's great. If that happens, that ain't what it's about. Not really. It's about, for me, it was about a message of personal growth <laughs> that all of us needed to hear and veterinary medicine could be an avenue for that. And for you, it sounds like this end of life 
clinical experience, you found it was unsatisfying and, and then you had this idea for the business or have I interrupted the story? Too yeah. Soon? And, and I wouldn't even say it was satisfying. I would just say that I found this gap between what clients were expecting from a veterinarian, meaning an $800 bill before I'm going to give you just a couple of prescriptions and teach you how to use them properly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and really what they wanted. And that was just my strength from the beginning was looking at them and saying, Oh, you're, so we're in hospice care. And as soon as I would say the word hospice care to them, their shoulders would relax. And they're like, uh, yes, finally someone gets it. Finally, someone understands the fact that I'm not trying to keep my dog going. I know he's dying. I know we're looking at the end. I just want to do the right thing. And I just want him comfortable for a couple of days until I can come to peace with the decision. And so when I would say that word hospice, like it was just as like kind of light for them. And then what I would do is I would say, here's, here's, you know, an NSAID here's, you know, tramadol or gabapentin. I mean, at the time tramadol, you know, was what we would use. Obviously we don't use it as much now, but like here's pain meds, here's how to use them. If he's not feeling good in the middle of the night, give him more. And then as I started doing this more and more and more, you know, my, again, the boss that I had at the time, Dr. Katie Meyer here in Tampa, Florida, she was just amazing. She told me, she was like, put the, put the pet first, pet first, and then the client, and then the referring practice, because that's how you make that. That's how you do right. And I just love that mentality. That's great. And so, yeah. So then all, literally I'm three months out of veterinary school. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're all, you're all of, um, you're all of a junior veterinarian at this I'm point. I'm like yeah. literally still t- bringing my notebooks to and from the clinic. Like that's how new of a doctor I am, you know? Was there, there was still Vin then, right? There was Vin. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. That, I lived a lot on of Vin. Vin. Yeah. Oh, like half, you know, half the time, you know, for my first few months, like I'm on mm-hmm. Vin, like, am I doing this right? And hopefully a good relationship with the specialty hospital. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. That's very, very good. So I started Lab of Love and it was just completely on a whim. And, you know, my parents were entrepreneurs. They didn't go to college. So I was raised with this mentality of like, you work harder than anybody else. And that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we'd be at my parents where they sold wire cable and lighting. So it was a very, very boring job from the outside, you know, but they had a warehouse and all this stuff. So my brother and I, somebody was passionate about that. Passionate right? enough about whatever, right? Passionate enough about yeah. running. I mean, about, but, about process or about helping people yeah. or about creating money. I mean, what you just what you just said was these entrepreneurial role because a lot of veterinarians do not have entrepreneurial role models. Right. Veterinarians and veterinary profession, we come from a background of fear and and need as opposed to kind of want and create, and yeah. and it's based on that whole agrarian, you know, kind of we're here to serve you and you give us bread back, you know, are we really necessary kind of thing? But now that we are a thing, now that it's a bona fide business model to be a veterinarian, it create, there's this opportunity for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs don't just fall out of the sky because they're smart. They have some sort of either somebody who shakes them by the lapels and educates them. Or in my case, I was so needy financially that I was, I was driven, like literally driven and sounds like you had some of that and driven by this vision that you got from your parents. Cause I keep telling veterinary employees that if you don't get what you get from your family of origin, you're going to have to get it on your own, you know? So they inspired you. My my parents, they were 19 when they had me, you know, I was the oops at 19. You share that. Yeah. 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 And you know, and I, so for my parents, they didn't have those role models in their life. So for them, it was out of fear. And my dad and my mom, they ran the business together. They, they would tell me growing up, they're like, Danny, we're one account away from this business closing. 
yes. one account. You know, mm-hmm. they only had they were they were they were manufacturers representatives. So they they represented manufacturers to the next level down buyer. And so for them, their their accounts were the manufacturers, which you only have a handful or two handfuls of them. So I'm laughing that, because my dad used to say we're about one phone call away from having to move. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way of saying it, right? You know, to my parents and they they would say, that's why getting, of course, at that time, that's why getting an education where you have a profession where that will never be taken from you Mm -hmm. your degree can never get taken away from you. There was a lot of, you know, tiny nuggets that you take in growing up and like that make, now I will say that my brother, you know, who two years younger than me, we grew up in the same house. You know, we ate the same breakfast. He doesn't have that same exact. I'm the oldest of five and I am one out of five that got it. And they have other talents talents and gifts, but entrepreneurialism is not that. So so you say kind of, you know, because folks say this to me all the time. Those of you that started the business, it's just, what do you just say? I'm going to do it. And I always answer, yeah. Yeah. You just sit down and say, I'm going to do it all the way to, oh, I have to call an attorney and get a business license. That's the first thing. So you were sitting around and did you decide right away? I know you have a partner, but did you decide right away to get a partner? How how did that work? It was, it was just so, I mean, you know, doing emergency medicine in the middle of the night, you have a lot of time to think and a lot of time to design your life, you know, yeah. and of course a new mom. And I knew I wanted to have more kids and, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I'm great. I had, I love ER. I had a blast doing it. I'm like, I can't do this for a really long time. And I, and it's, this is going to sound so funny, but I, t- I say this to veterinary students too. One of the main motivating factors for me in starting my own business was just not asking anyone else permission. Like mm. I hate it, the idea it. of asking like, Hey, can I have off to go on vacation? Mm. You know, this week in summer, like I am a human being. I don't want to ask anybody. Are you kidding me? Well, so yeah. I, that's just been, I think one of my main motivating factors is just, I just want to, I just want to be in charge of kind of my, now, of course, obviously the irony of that, as you know, is that you work harder than anybody else, uh, but you, it's a choice. It's a it's choice. choice. And you're serving your own, uh, not your own, but you're, well, you're serving a mission, if not your own mission, and you're serving something, you're building something, you know, that, but I get it totally. I, <clears throat> the irony in owning my own businesses is that I didn't have much of a vacation for like 15 years. You're exactly but. right. And that, you know, you check, you you're, you go to the bathroom and you check your email and mm-hmm. you know, you're on vacation and you're on a phone call and, mm-hmm. you know, so that's the irony of it, but just the, the idea of not having to ask anybody permission was a big, mm-hmm. a big thing for me. So and this I, is 2000. 10 or 11 now it's we're talking nine about? still i mean literally nine. i graduated in may and i incorporated the business in august and by september i had had my first client and i literally like i went on a form website i wrote the website myself you know you get on vistaprint.com and mm-hmm. got my own little business cards uh-huh. 25 um, bucks yeah yeah 25 <laughs> bucks you know and i like and i just started i mean ready fire aim it's the beauty of in-home care is that there wasn't a lot, particularly well, here. There wasn't a lot of starter costs. Like I didn't, I didn't. It's like being a dermatologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a dermatologist you know. tell me all I need is a drawer and a microscope and a lab. You know, <laughs> that's all you yeah. need. Like I don't need radiographs. I didn't need. Mm-hmm. I just I needed a phone. You know, I went to my T-Mobile and I like, added a line and like yeah, that was kind of it. It's exciting. You know? And I was, and I was off and running and I was, and I knew in my brain, I'm like, if I'm doing, I thought at the beginning I was going to be doing a lot of hospice care. So. I thought to myself, okay, if I'm gonna, if I do a lot of hospice care, then what I'll do is I'll go, I'll purchase the things that I need because I know that the suppliers send it right, 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 right. So in my brain, I was like, I'll just I'll buy what I need. Well, I just didn't end up needing hardly anything. Ninety percent of what we do is still in home euthanasia. That's what people want. And want- with that is a lot of counseling, right? 
I was just about to say what, what it is, it's, it's a lot of conversations with the family, but that's the hospice care. That's the guiding. That's the, here's how to use the medication that you have. You know, so there's a lot of upfront conversations that happen, but then at the end of the day, the actual interaction or the actual um, transaction, I guess you could say is 90% euthanasia mm-hmm. because families just want permission. And that's beyond the scope of what we'll talk about here. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I know we have to, will you come back already so we can do another one? Yeah, we'll do, we'll do a completely part two. Yeah. So you get, so the business to, how does it grow to where you take on a partner? What, so what I literally, I literally, I'm just starting like, and I'm, this is still 2009. This is still the year I graduated. I'm, I'm starting like one family and then another family and then another family. And then, you know, cause I, I, I spent like, I don't know, $500 on Google AdWords in a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting some dings through there and I'm doing them ER. I'm still full-time ER at the same mm-hmm. point. Too. So, and then my, my boss. And you have up, a one-year-old. Oh. And I have a one-year-old. Oh. And then within a few months of this, I end up getting pregnant with a second one as well. So I, you know, there was a lot going on, but it was great. I mean, and I knew it, you know, I I, I can't, I tell the students this, I'm like, when you graduate, you know, people sometimes graduate and they're like, oh, I'm so burned out in school. I need to take a break. You know, I'm like, you're not burned out. You're broke. You're broke. Mm. You're, you're the brokest you've ever been in your entire life. And the brokest, hopefully you will ever be in your entire Mm. life. So no work, you know? So I had this, when I graduated, I had this drive. I was like, I've worked my entire life for this moment. I am going to bust my butt. I'm going to go, 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 go. And I did. And I worked my butt off. So I started the company doing ER and calls just kind of keep coming through, keep coming through. And I remember I was doing like three calls a week and then four calls a week and then five calls a week. And mind you, I'm still answering my own phone. And a lot of times my, my boss would allow me to actually tell clients like that were facing euthanasia, you know, that I'll come to her home or I'll come to their home, which if you think about it, you know, in theory, it takes money away from the ER, but in reality, it didn't. And my boss knew that she knew that, that I would actually be able to give people a little bit more of an option. They would buy pain medicine, you know, but it wasn't about the money, but it, it ended up being a positive and bond for- them with the institution too. Exactly. So it was a very positive thing. So I can't tell you how many shifts that I would do 14 hours ER overnight and then leave, go to one or two people's homes and then come home and sleep and then pick up my kid. So it worked out great, you know, and that's, that's how it went for a while. And then about a year later, so I'm like almost a year now and I'm getting calls from other veterinarians across the country. And it was like one a week and they would call and say, I want to start up a business like what you're doing. Like, tell, how do you start it up? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's super, super easy. Just go on this website and just, you just write up a website and then write up a business card and then just do, and like, I designed my own logo on a designyourownlogo.com website, you know, giving like, away the franchise. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I didn't even, I was like, just, it's easy. You can do this, 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 this. And they're like, uh, I have no idea how to do that. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, just look up your state statutes and it'll tell you if, you know, what the regulations are, house call versus mobile practice. Like there's different laws mm-hmm. and regulations for each mm-hmm. one. And they're like, yeah, we have no idea what you're talking about, Danny. Yeah. So at that point, I'm like, this is scalable. This is scalable. And people, doctors don't want to start their own. I have everything written already. Who I have- introduced you to the word scalable? I don't know. I'm not sure. Not at that point. I didn't yeah, know it yeah. then. You know, no, but was, it's a great word for us to understand in veterinary medicine from a business yeah. perspective. Like if you, there is value in scalability, that's a, that's 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 from from frontline process to building and selling practices. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. I did not know the word at that time, <laughs> not at all. But so then I knew, and at that point, the business was growing so much that I was having to cut back on ER. And so I, that that's when I called Dr. Mary Gardner and she was a classmate in vet school in my first freshman class. And we'd mm-hmm. shared a microscope together and I just love her to pieces. She's like hilarious and funny and super smart. Not and didn't we have dinner with her that like, yeah. So she came down. So she, at that point, she'd graduated a year before me. Yes. So she's been out in general practice and she's like, Danny, I'm really bored of general practice. This just isn't for me. And she was actually interviewing for a industry job. So I convinced her she was going to go up and she was flying up somewhere for an industry job. And so I'm like, Mary, come back down to Tampa. Cause she lived like four mm-hmm. hours away. Fly back mm-hmm. into Tampa. Let's spend the weekend. Let me just explain what I'm doing. And cause mm-hmm. I really need software. Mm-hmm. So, and that was funny enough. One of the ways that my mom and dad expanded their business was that they wrote a software, which of course, this is long before anyone else right, was doing right, software. Right, right, right. They had somebody write a software package for them that allowed them to dramatically increase the amount of orders that they were taking and filling. Oh, there was that example again. Yeah. So I was like, I need to, I need to do that because I'm doing everything on paper right now. Like all my, all the paperwork stuff. And this so, is the missing link. This is the missing link to a scalable business, right? Yeah, it really is. It's just, can you, you know, can, can you optimize your time? So um, she flew down. We spent the weekend together, explained what I was doing. She's like, this is really cool. Maybe I'll do this part-time here and there while I do this industry job. Well, she didn't end up getting the industry job, funny enough. And she took a different job with her sister, who was also in software. And she worked, her and I worked together um, as well. So that was at the end of, of 2010. And her and I started building the software. So we'll fast forward a few years. We're building the software. We get the software done. We're testing it, yada, yada, yada. And that's when we started um, at adding additional doctors on. Okay. Um, so what did we you were, do with the calls that were coming in? Did you just say, you're not going to give out your model anymore? Or did, you, oh, or did were there other competitors out there then by this time? Sean, it is so funny. I literally would tell people exactly what to do. And I was like, go, you can go on the IRS website and get an EIN number. Like it's free, I think. And yeah, then you just go on, you know, the the equivalent of sunbiz.com, which is what we have in Florida and you register an LLC and like, it's really easy. Like, do I need an attorney? You don't actually need an attorney for any of this stuff. You can do this all yourself. And then you have that. And then you walk into the bank and you say, can I have a business bank account? And literally they're like, but how do I get a business bank account? I'm like, you walk in and you say, can I have a business bank account? And then they give you one. Like it's yeah. really- that easy. And you put a hundred dollars in it. <laughs> and you're like, you're just, it's no big deal. And you go on and the now website. you're in business. Yeah. Write your website and spend 500, like watch a YouTube, you know, video for an hour and you'll learn enough about Google AdWords. You know, you're not going to know everything, mm-hmm. but you'll learn enough just to do it. Mm-hmm. And this went way like doctors that have 10 letters after their names, you know, and got like way better grades in class than I did. Like they could not get this concept. Like mm-hmm. they just could not mm-hmm. understand it. It can't be it. that easy or, and, or it, I am so fo- myopically focused on what I wanted to do my whole life that I can't expand my mind around. I think you know, that that's part of it. Vision. I think, yeah. I think that's 49% of it. And I think the other 51% of it is just simply like that they are medicine people. And the idea of like anything that's law related or business related, that is just, it's just whatever is written down in the law and yeah, it can change. And like, that's, Mm -hmm. but you have to, you have to read that and take that for what you believe it to be, you know, and that, that concept is just like not understandable for most doctors, Mm -hmm. you know, for most. 
So I want to get back to that. So now, where is where? What is Lap of Love now? What are its services? Where? What's the scope and scale of your company? And yeah. So do you mean right now at this moment? Well, yeah. I mean, taking yeah. us to the present, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So 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 fast forward. So we we um we continue to add, and then at some point, um, I actually I hired one. I hired somebody around the time that the software started going. I hired one person to start finally taking my phone calls. And finally, I was able because I had a doctor, the first two doctor employees I had would help out taking phone calls. And, and so I was able to push that off for a while, you know, because I loved a doctor taking the phone call. I really mm-hmm. like that. I was attached mm-hmm. to that for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once we built a support center, once we had multiple doctors, I and here's the other thing. Once we had multiple doctors that I knew were not taking, they weren't answering their phones. Mm. And in this line of work, you have to answer the phone. phone. The client yeah. is their dog is dying or they yeah. believe them to be dying. You have to it's not a timed thing. It happens when it happens. Yeah. Not I'll call you back when I can call you back. It's not like that. Mm. We build a support center and yada, yada. So fast forward now, almost 14 years later, we have over 500 employees. Wow. Over 250 of those are doctors. Yeah. And we were a franchise for a while, which is the only legal okay. way to do business outside the state of Florida. That are some, there are a lot of people that are that are not following, you know, FTC regulations. I understand. But my a, a very big thing with me from the beginning is that we're going to do this legally right, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be on the chopping block if somebody comes and opens the books and looks and sees, mm-hmm. you know, at what. So we spend a lot of money making sure that we do things right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so over 500 employees, over 250 of, of those are doctors. Almost all of them are full-time. Um, and we help over 10,000 pets per month. That's lovely. We field over 10,000 phone calls a week. Mm-hmm. So it's a significant. And in, and in full disclosure, one of my lifelong dear friends, uh, Thomas Stevens, uh, is employed by wow. your company and is a. So I'm a cheerleader for Thomas, but uh, but also uh, Thomas and I played on softball teams and like we go back 35 years about, oh and um, we celebrate uh, our birthdays the same month and. I, he is jokingly uh, always, you know, two years older than me, and so we we have that 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 fun all the time. But yeah, he's, you know, we've seen each other through all kinds of things. So he's a he's a great man, and uh, I'm glad that he found you and that it's worked out with you. Uh, I, so you're successful by capitalistic definitions. Uh, you know, you started the business, you employ people, it generates revenue. You you met a need in the market. That's how uh, business defines success, if you will. Is that how you define success? And if not, how do you? And has that changed over the course of building Lap of Love, you know, your definition of success? Yeah, you know, it's and that's, it's it's really funny. I don't, I do not suggest that uh, partnership in any way is good for most people. I think partnerships are really, really, really difficult. For They're like another marriage, yeah. So, I mean, it really is, it, it really mm-hmm. is. But for whatever reason, Mary and I have always had this absolutely incredible partnership. And I think that at the bot at, at, at the very, very heart of it is just who we are as people has always jived together. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that that we were always on the same page with at the beginning was that neither of us are motivated by money. Mm-hmm. Um, which is ironic because obviously you have to make money as a business, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be, pro- if it's not profitable, it's called a hobby and mm-hmm. that's fine, but you know, you can't just continue doing that forever and ever and ever. It's not or an education. Yeah. yeah. Or an education, right? <laughs> yeah. So from the beginning, her and I, 
we just left everything in the business and we just, we, we, we threw the money back in the business and it was always about the business. And it was funny because it wasn't really until probably two years ago that we kind of like came up for air together and we're like, how's it going? What are we doing? What do you, you know, what, what, what do you want Mary for the next 20 years of your life? You know? And so we never really had those conversations and I, and I'm talking like, we never had those conversations. It was always about the growth of the business. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, you know, me in my personal life, I'm typically very frugal. Obviously someone from the outside would look at me now and maybe not agree with that because I'm financially in a very different position than when I was 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and Mary is the same way. Like she, you know, she, she doesn't care what kind of car she drives. Like she just does it. You know, there's some things we care about that are, are, you know, our own little things. Right. right. But just, we've always been on the same page that like, we didn't call each other and say, Hey, I want to take hundred thousand dollars out of the business. We never did that. The only so the time message there is pick a partner that's on the same wavelength as you, if you're going to do it. Yeah. But yeah. it's not just the business wavelength. It was the, our personalities, your values and personalities, our values, our values. And and even though, you know, the family value is like number one for me and she doesn't have kids. So she never understood, you know, she never understood that, mm-hmm. you know, but, but that's fine because she respected it. Mm-hmm. And there, so I, there, there's just always been a, 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 um, a, a high level of respect. And then, and obviously again, just that we monetarily, we were always on the same mm-hmm. page always. Yeah. And if I wanted to spend something that I thought was a lot of money, but you know, she would be like, okay, she trusted me. And the same thing with her. Like, she's like, Danny, this is really important. Okay. No problem. You know? Mm-hmm. So th- I think that that, that number one, and, and then also having each other at the very beginning was, it was like, it was just emotional checks always. Cause I would bring something to her that like, I'm, I'm a little bit of like a, a, a visionary. I've got like a thousand ideas Four of them are really good. The uh, the rest of them are like, I hear you. Know, you. I hear he's like, you. what are you talking about? Yeah. And I'm My like, employees, oh, worst days used to be the days when I had time to think. And I'd be like, oh no, there's a thousand right. more things that Sean's going to throw at us. Yeah. 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 Just a ton of ideas. And so, and that's the other really good thing that her and I did well, particularly talking about Steven, you know, mm-hmm. which is or, uh, uh, Thomas, Thomas. Steven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is that we have always been really, really good at, finding good people, hiring them and keeping them. Okay. And, then, and the, and the other really good thing we're good at is staying out of their way mm-hmm. because you can hire really good people and put them in a seat. But if you micromanage them, if you tell them what to do, what they're doing, you know, so we just have amazing people that love, you know, to work autonomous, autonomously mm-hmm. and, you know, are good at what they do. And I don't, I don't like, I can't do Thomas's job better than Thomas does Thomas's job. He, I cannot, th- not, I don't want to spend, but I can't think of a person and a job that are better suited. We knew <laughs> the first time Mary and I, yeah, the first time Mary and I met him, we knew he would work with us one day. And the day that he came to work with us, her and I were like, yeah, finally. You Remember you met, you met him through me. He came to that. We all had we all had dinner together at that meeting in I was a Tampa, Orlando. It was at a BMX meeting. You 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 got us together, and then the next day we're like, oh my gosh, we're right next to each other, and it's just. And next thing I knew, Thomas was working with you. That's yeah. I love that story. I love that story. (laughs) Um, What for any entrepreneurial minded veterinarian, nurse, manager, vet? animal loving entrepreneur. What advice do you have for entrepreneurs out there in veterinary medicine right now? And are there any niches out there that you think need to be filled that aren't being filled? 
So the first question is, I would, you, it, particularly in, in veterinary medicine, you have to treat starting a business like you treat being an emergency veterinarian, right? When a case comes in, all new grads want to say, oh, it's blah, 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 blah. And like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. What do you do now? You place mm-hmm. an IV catheter. You take the heart rate, right? You assess mm-hmm. the breathing, right? I mean, like very, very tiny little steps. Mm-hmm. So you can't go all the way down to the ending yet. It's And that's why I say ready, fire, aim. You have got to get yourself ready, obviously. Fire, start doing it and then adjust where you're going and what your vision is going to be. Mm-hmm. Because you just can't get caught up in this big whole picture That because then you never start. You Love never it. start. Yeah. Yeah. So what niche is, yeah. It's okay. So what niches? You know, I don't, this isn't, uh, I, I am not the best person to answer this because I found okay. a niche. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. Like I found a niche and it's it's great. I will I will tell you that I think, A, there's nothing wrong with corporate ownership. Everybody likes mm-hmm. to blast corporate owner, you know, cor- corporatization, but there's nothing wrong with it. And B, none of y'all want to own businesses anyway. So stop complaining about corporate ownership and I tell know, more of you want to be entrepreneurs, right? Well, well I always up. laugh because most veterinarians that complain about that, I say, but I can't tell you how many doctors came to us to sell their practice because none of their associates wanted to buy the practice. They don't want to buy the practice. Oh, and by the way, every everyone wants more money and better benefits. And, you know, sorry, you can't do that without having economies of scale, which means that they spend less money on the back end so they can give it to you in the, in, in the long run. So <laughs> I, you know what? That's going to be my answer right there. It's entrepreneurism. Okay. That's the answer. That's the niche that needs to be filled in veterinary medicine. Uh, actually, that's a great answer. All right. Some rapid fire questions, if you don't mind. Uh, okay. What was the name of your first pet? Lady. Lady. What music do you listen to during surgery? Uh, gosh, I haven't done surgery in so long. I know. I was thinking about you. <laughs> uh, pass. Okay. Uh, what is your number one guilty pleasure? Ooh, coffee. Coffee. Uh, we're in sync there. Uh, one thing on your bucket list that you haven't done yet. Seen the Northern Lights. Uh, what's your go-to airport snack? So and what I say margaritas. No. <laughs> no, you know what? It's 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 something healthy because when I think about airport snack, I'm like, oh, I get something that's yeah. just my stomach and it hurts. So I like to pack these dates. So they're dates. Yes. Mm-hmm. With peanut butter, and then you put three coffee beans in them, and you can just pop wow. them. One of them will just fill up my stomach so that I don't feel like eating. Because I don't like to eat before I speak. I don't know about you. So Me like, either. I'm like that too. Uh, yeah, I, I like to eat after, but not. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. What's your go-to karaoke song? I am so bad at karaoke. No, like so bad. I'm gonna say my go-to karaoke is in the corner with a margarita. <laughs> I don't, I don't, and I'm like not a fearful singing yeah. is not Got it. No. if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice what would it be um uh move forward keep going without any um what's the word without without any second guessing mm. just don't even second guess because the decisions that I made I, there aren't a lot of decisions I would take back mm-hmm. not a lot even the mistakes yeah. Fantastic. Just, just go, go forward without second guessing. Do something, move something, move forward. Well, yeah. it's been really, really nice to talk to you. And uh, I hope that you'll come back again on the Vet Med Mind and we can talk about uh, the future, if you will, with Lap of Love. And uh, who knows when our paths will cross again. I'd like to see you out in the lecture circuit if I if I don't see you before then. And maybe even come and hang out with your employees and do a little corporate retreat or something. It'd be fun. Oh, that would be so fun. I would love yeah. that. 
Thank you, everybody. And uh, by the way, if you know somebody that in your life is a success story in veterinary medicine, and I really mean this, it could be a kennel worker, it could be the person who cleans your hospital, uh, it, it can be the best client that comes through the door who's an animal advocate, uh, a success story in your neighborhood. Uh, those are the kind of stories that we're looking for. And so I don't think we're going to have any shortage uh, of uh, candidates, but I'm always interested to hear what you think of when we say who's a success in your life, what's going on in their vet med mind.